Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And like I was telling our folks up here in Seattle on KTTH, 770 AM, for those of you that don't know, we have a little three-minute warm-up. And don't ask me why I've said this before. I don't know. I'm not a radio guy. I'm a finance guy, although I do have a face for radio. A little self-deprecating humor there. Uh, but but uh, I, I, some very interesting things. Oh, the other thing, full disclosure, I'm doing the show on Tuesday. I will be working the remainder of the week, but I'm doing it remotely based on a family commitment. And um, whenever I'm working remotely, I can't do the show. I could do my interview. I've got an interview that I'm doing on Thursday because everybody expects the guy that's being interviewed, you know, to not sound perfect. But I do the show from the COVID bunker here, and, and it was funny. I had, I had a, a buddy of mine come to visit. It was actually Marcos, Marcos Plano, who runs our algorithmic portfolio. He was in town not too long ago, and he came to my office, and he's like, you know, I like the, the art that you have on the walls, but I don't really understand it. And I just started dying laughing because when we, when we went through COVID, they shut, these, they, they shut all, the, all the stuff down. So we had to turn my office sort of into a, into a, uh, a sound room, a studio of sorts. And so there's there there's these uh, like black fabric boxes and, and gray boxes around the different walls that that soak up the the echoes and make it sound a little bit sound better. Um, and then the show just sounds like garbage when we don't do that. So um, anyway, that's why we're going to be a little bit dated. But but the funny thing is is I I, I really don't care. well I do. But, uh, but I, I don't think it's going to stifle the show at all because, A, we've got a great interview coming up that is very topical to what we're focused on. And what I was telling the people in the three-minute warm-up little segment was that even though I think this market is insane still, I, I think it has become somewhat easier to navigate, not in terms of the moves, but in terms of thinking about it, right? Um, in terms of understanding it or, or trying to get, wrap our heads around it and then trying to figure out what the things that we should focus on are. Um, and nobody can figure out which direction markets are going. But when we look at the environment we're in, when we look at the different threats that we are facing, I think it's imperative um, that we have a very good understanding for what is going on and I think it is imperative that we're focused on the right thing because I think in this environment, um, uh, first of all, I think there's a tremendous amount of noise, which always tends to happen at these phases, right? Meaning, you know, you are at or close to a peak after the longest, biggest bull market in U.S. history. And so I think the natural narrative is to be bullish because that's the only thing that has hurt you, right, over the last almost 15 years now. What has hurt you is not buying. What has hurt you is not being bullish. What has lost you clients is not being bullish enough, not buying the dip, right? Um, And so I think that you're watching those things collide. I think that that attitude is very much in play. Um, And I think it is especially prescient on this day and Tuesday. Now, who knows where the market ends up? You had a really nasty reversal yesterday on Monday. Uh, we had a nice day, good, good rally and energy and the commodity kind of stuff that we're more focused in. We're diversified. Um, and, and I think as of now, we're down about value portfolios down about, is it 3.84% on the year, something like that? Uh, hanging right in there. Momentum's down about nine and a half, I want to say. Altogether, I think we're down about five and a half or six, somewhere in there. I have, again, I, I, we've had some big movements in the last two days, so I haven't checked and then our value portfolio is up almost 2% today. So I haven't checked. I'm not trying to, you know, I, I just always want to be careful, guys, when I'm talking about performance because you guys know I'll tell you when it's good. I'll tell you when it's bad. Uh, full disclosure, full transparency. Um, but don't quote me on these things. And then with the markets moving the way they are, um, I just want to be careful that I'm not giving you bad info. So, but anyway, um, getting into, and, and today is sort of going to be focused on this topic. I have seen... And, and this work, and this is going to lead into our market update segment right now. But 
all of the talk that I'm seeing on places like CNBC, hearing Jim Cramer talking about this, all of this is talking about how uh, everybody is bared up and that this market has priced in a lot of bad news and you got to be a buyer here, right? Um, I really couldn't disagree with them more vociferously. And yet I do not think that that gives us any insight into market movements, especially over the next uh, month and a half or so. Um, Summers are seasonally good. There is lower volume, which means that the typical regular, you know, home gamer retailer guy is probably going to be making up a heavier percentage of the trades on a daily basis. We all know that the typical retail home gamer guy, and I'm not, if you're out there, you're one of them, I'm not bagging on you, but um, that is really where that buy the dip mentality has really set in and really taken root um, and has been the big driver behind ridiculous valuations and crazy moves in crypto and all the other things. And yet I think we've got some really big tells. So our interview is going to be with Tobias Carlisle, the, the purveyor of the acquirer's multiple funds. He is, fo- he is a value guy, used to be a corporate attorney, worked on the inside out. So we're going to talk to him about the valuation side of it. But before we get into that conversation, I sort of want to lay the groundwork for why I think this is important. I think that earnings are going to matter right now and for the foreseeable future much more so than they have in the past. And why is that? Because like I've said so many times, inflation and interest rates coming back on, especially in the way and the force that they have, it is the reinstitution of financial gravity. It constricts liquidity when you combine that with what's going on in commodity prices, right? Every time you see commodity prices higher, pretty much across the board, think about that as being increased input costs into businesses, right? We know interest rates are going up, so that means capital is more expensive. If they want to round up capital, if they want to go out and raise debt, they're going to have to do it at higher rates, which is going to hit the is going to hurt the uh, income statement and the and the and the earnings as well. You've got higher wage costs, right? We know labor costs have gone up. Um, You've got a soaring dollar, which is going to make it very difficult to generate profits that are anywhere in line to what we're used to over the last 10 years or so on an international basis. And does that all add up to a market crash? No. And and I'm not saying that. I put out a tweet the other day where I said, look, I don't think that we're necessarily, I don't think we're on the verge of a depression. Now, the scary thing about environments like this is when you see such a radical U-turn, when you go from a period of time where deflation was your threat and you're operating with artificially low rates and the economy is continually being spurred on by the Federal Reserve spending money like an aircraft carrier full of drunken sailors, when you transition out of that, those are t- and especially when you transition as hard as we have. Now we're looking at 40-year high inflation and rates rising at a pace that we have really never seen before in terms of percentage moves. Um, now, rates are still historically low, but you're coming from the lowest rates in human history, right? So it's all about the rate of change, meaning – and think about it this way. If, if mortgage rates over the course of 9 to 10 years went from 3 to 6.5%, Things can adjust to that, right? It gives you enough time. When they make a move like that in 16 months, it's sticker shock, right? And I don't even think it's really taken 16 months. It's been about 12, maybe maybe even less, maybe 10. Um, and, and economics, that is always the case. That's another thing where you sit there and you go, what, what are you guys looking at? When you think this market has, and, and let's be clear, where is this market trading? This market is trading at 20 times earnings. The long-term average for the S&P, is 15.8, okay? So that is expensive, but it's not insane. I mean, during the tech bubble, it got up to 43. Here's where I think the issue is. When you look at all this macroeconomic backdrop, higher rates, higher labor costs, higher energy costs, higher commodity costs, uh, 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 dollar index at 23-year highs. And remember, guys, the dollar index matters, Because if you're a company that sells internationally and the dollar has appreciated 30 to 40 percent versus the currency of the business or or the currencies that the businesses you're selling to that they're located in those countries that have those currencies. Right. If if that's their their home currency, they can't buy as much stuff from you. It's just it's common sense. Like I've said, an easy way to think about it is 
if you are in Japan, an Apple iPhone is now 30 to 40% more expensive than it was 12 months ago. Right? Does that mean people quit buying iPhones? No. Does it mean they will buy as many? No, of course not. Right? Look at, look at what financing of cars costs and all this. So we, if, for those out there that are saying this market is cheap, th- 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 it's just not. That, that is completely inaccurate. And when they say that there's a lot of bad news priced in, that is also completely inaccurate. And during the interview that we have on today, we will provide, you know, Tobias is kind enough to provide some really hard data for how the, look, and is that saying the market can't go up? No. But what I am saying is that, and I've said this on the show before, when you consider the economic backdrop, and if you think the bottom is in in stocks, then what that basically means is that you think the valuation of stocks is going to go up. While earnings are dropping, while economy is slowing, while input costs are going up, and while the dollar is at 23-year highs. Okay, th- that's – is it impossible? Nope. Saying something is impossible in this business is the quickest way to get in trouble. <laughs> okay, just take my word for it. Does it paint a pretty bleak picture for earnings hitting anywhere near their forward estimates? No, because as of right now – Wall Street is still forecasting earnings acceleration into next year. Now, could they be right? Yes. Again, like I said, but when you look at it, and and I think that we got to tell yesterday. Okay. I I think we got to tell. Now, IBM today is getting hit by about six and a half percent. And the, the reason why is they had an earnings report that was less than stellar, but something that really stuck out to me, you guys, in the earnings report is they took a $3.5 billion hit just based on their cross-currency action. So basically, that increase in the U.S. dollar compared to other currencies hit them for $3.5 billion. Now, is it possible that that is uniquely an IBM problem? Again, possible. I don't see how that's the case. When you see the dollar at levels like these, you just have to know it's going to hit these companies. So when we're sitting here looking at it day to day, and I and, and, and this is why I said I think the market's still insane. You get that news out of Apple where I saw that and I went, uh-oh, it's happening. And the next day, the market's rallying, right? And as if I sit here today, the NASDAQ's up 2.83. Um, the other thing I will tell you anecdotally is that until the market starts responding to that kind of news in a rational way, I just don't think you're anywhere close to a bottom. Okay, we have not seen capitulation yet. We have not seen panic selling. People are like, well, it's the worst start since 20. Yeah, but look where we're coming from. You're coming from the most expensive market in history, off of the longest bull market in history. This market is right where it was at the beginning of last year. So for all these people, well, this thing's so cheap, all this stuff is priced in. Here's the other thing I'll tell you. I'll bet you my house that earnings do not come in anywhere close to where they were last year for the rest of this year. I, I just, could I be wrong? Sure. Always going to throw that caveat in there. Um, I, I just, t- to see that, I just, I don't know how you come up with that. I, just, I don't know how you come up with it. And by the way, Earnings are already down. I mean, you look at it, it's pretty consistent and it's certainly trending in the wrong way. And so again, for the people and the excitement that come into the, the other thing is, is what, what's going up. If you look at the things on a strong day, like today, it's all the nonsense. It's the arcs. It's the Tesla's it's the Shopify's the Nvidia's the Lululemon's the, you know, all your typical, you know, all the, all the, all the usual suspects. Right. The car. I didn't check Carvana. That one just cracks me up. I, I personally and I could be wrong on this. I just don't think that company is going to be around long in, in a few years, maybe even sooner than that. Um, but but it, it again, you just don't see capitulation. I, I just haven't seen any type of signs that suggest the bottom is in whatsoever, especially on the valuation basis. Um, I also look at the NASDAQ today and think it's sort of funny that people think this is a bottom when the NASDAQ was a good 25 to 30% lower than this going into January 1, 2020, where, you know, there's nothing in the economy that's as in good a shape as it was then nothing. So again, in my opinion, to be buying here, 
you are expecting multiples to expand while rates are going up. The economy is slowing down. Real estate is hitting the skids. Labor costs are going up. Input costs are going up and the dollars at a 23 year high. Could you be right? Sure. Do I think you will? No, I think you're going to need an unbelievable amount of good luck. And I don't even see how that happens. Now, again, the other caveats, if you, the dollar starts plummeting in value for some reason, if the fed turns around and starts printing again, then you're looking at a different set of facts. Then we got to adjust our thinking. Now, what I do think makes a lot of sense here, both seasonally thinking about summer and, and also the, uh, the mindset of market participants, because again, look at the stuff that's rallying. Okay. I'll make you a bet right now that the majority of the people in there buying all this stuff that's rallying are probably not on the professional side. The majority. Um, it's just, this is not a, this is just not capitulation guys. Um, this now full caveat i've said it before during covid i thought that was a bear market rally i did not understand how insane the fed was going to go and how long they were going to keep pumping stimulus and i underplayed that so i've been wrong before but again i'll point out what is the big difference about this time you don't have papa bernanke standing behind you or or mama yelling or whoever you know i believe was yelling at the at the helm at that point no it was jay powell it was jay powell was at the helm um, but and he's still at the helm, but you don't have him there anymore. The Fed is on the sidelines, promising higher rate hikes. And and I think that what you saw out of IBM yesterday, like I said, I just think that was a big tell. I think you're going to be seeing stuff like that across the board. And then you look at it, you know, then you look at Europe, look at look at Europe. That's a pretty darn big trading partner for us, wouldn't you say? Apple relies on Europe to buy a lot of iPhones, right? Europe's getting a double whammy. The euro is now trading at parity with the dollar, which makes everything U.S. far more expensive. In addition to that, their consumers are looking at record high energy prices and commodity prices going into a winter where it could get brutal because of what's going on with Russia and how they're saying they're, they're moving ahead with doing it, shutting off all flows. So now, but like I said, I would not be surprised at all right now to watch the market go on a 10 to 15% ripper to the upside. Why? Because you haven't seen capitulation and nonsensical, completely what look like irrational moves to the upside, if you're bearish, are always things that happen in bear markets. Always. Bear market rallies. And they cause a lot of pain. I, I you know, anecdotally, I think one of the easy ways to understand markets is markets almost always do what hurts the largest amount of people, right? A lot of people are bared up. Now, I I don't think it's the overwhelming percentage. Like I said, I think you see a lot of ridiculous optimism out there. But, you know, one of the advantages to being in this seat here and doing what we do is we get a chance to talk to a lot of retail clients, right? And they're great gauges for sentiment. And a lot of retail clients are really spooked right now. Do you know what gets them unspooked? A 10 to 15% market rally to the upside because a lot of them probably only started getting freaked out right around the bottom, right when the NASDAQ was down about 30, about 1,000 points ago. And then that's where they want to start selling. And then the market starts pulling away from them. And what do they do? They jump back in. And, and guys, this is just a pattern. I Like I've said before, go pull up the market patterns from 2000, 2001. Go pull up... Uh, you know, you can even look at the financial crisis. It worked the same way. You're always going to get these violent, violent moves off the bottom that seemingly come out of nowhere. And it gets market participants thinking, okay, you know, hey, this thing has rallied in the face of high odds before, you know, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I better jump on this. And then they all get back in at the wrong time and then they get their hand slammed in the door. But when you see in this environment, I will not personally be convinced that we have reached capitulation or a bottom until the nonsense is the stuff that quits rallying the hardest, right? Just because the multiples on this stuff are still insane, right? The, the meaning completely exact. Well, they're down so much. Yeah, because they, they were, they, it was ridiculous to begin with. I mean, when you're out there paying 50, 60 times revenue for a company that produces no profit, it's only a matter of time until you're going to get taken to the woodshed. And you can fight me on that all you want. I'm just telling you, history is replete with examples of this, and it never turns out well. Now, it can for a while, right? I feel good for a while. 
but it's always going to bite you. Why? Because you're paying something that absolutely has no tie or no relationship or no, you know, no alignment with its actual value. And that can really, it is so much easier for that to, to exist and persist in an environment with 0% interest rates. Because if you want returns as an investor, you're forced to go out there on the ledge and buy things that are more risky because you can't get anything via bonds. You can't get anything via cash. Okay, but when rates start going up and lending starts slowing down and earnings are getting hit because of higher earnings costs, it's those high flyers that are going to get roped. Just like we've been saying for years, and that's just not over. And, and the other thing is that it's never the stocks that led the previous charge that come out of the gates and lead the new one. It, it just doesn't ever happen, right? Because people realize the fallacy of the way that they were thinking. And they realize, just like they have with Netflix, that their earnings estimates and their expectations for profit were completely ridiculous. And there's just still a lot of that. Right now, there's just a lot of you you go down. Are there some things that were insane that aren't now? Yes. Yeah. That that look much more reasonable. Yes, there are some. Obviously, you guys know where I'm at with commodities and all that kind of stuff. That certainly that certainly looks like that. But if if you're seeing these same concerns, guys, and you're sitting there, you know, if, if what I'm saying resonates with you. And you're sitting there in a traditionally managed profit or, or, or portfolio where your advisor is constantly telling you to just stick with it. Markets always come back. That's another funny anecdotal story I'll tell you uh, when I get back to, to bring in the next section. But markets always bounce back. And da 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 If they're telling you that and you're agreeing with me, if you're seeing the same issues I'm seeing, guys, give us a call or call somebody else that is an active manager. Because A, I think that investors are in for a world of pain. I really do. And, and I'm not talking, I don't think we're on the cusp of some great depressionary collapse. I just think you're looking at lower profits and lower stock prices for longer. And I think that if you want to be okay, you have to have defensive mechanisms in place. You got to be able to manage risk. You got to make sure you mute out some of those big losses. That's what we do. There's a better way. You cannot expect bonds to be your defense mechanism. They've been hitting you as hard as stocks. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com. You guys know the drill. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back to discuss a little more valuations and lead into our interview with Tobias Carlisle. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free 
booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us, not just joining us. Hopefully you're sticking with us. And we're going to be kind of focusing on valuations right now. And the reason why is, is value, you know, what we're buying something for, as Buffett says, what defines the success or the failure of an investment is the price you pay. And that there are no bad assets, there's just bad prices. And so I think trying to figure out where earnings are going to go is is very important. Um, and this is a little anecdotal aside. We have a new client that joined us recently that left her previous advisor and called that advisor. And I thought it was very respectable that she did this, but called that advisor to let them know ahead of time. And that advisor kept her on the phone for about an hour and told her all the reasons why she was making a mistake and that she had nothing to be afraid of, that they thought the market was going to rebound into the end of the year and sent her a 40-year chart of the S&P 500 with the caption, the market always comes back. Now, that is true when you're looking at the long run of the market. Here's something very important that I want, really want you guys to understand. And I think that this is a really, really important segment that you need to hear me on here, okay, and that... Again, I'm not saying this to get you to send my stuff around to more people or to become more radio or internet famous or whatever. I I just, I really want people to understand this so they can avoid a bloodbath here, okay? So if you look at a chart of the last 40 years, that is true. You've seen some ugly markets, but you just see a constant trend. Okay, this is why we're always talking about retirement being different. So we took that example and I, and and it was another advisor of mine that had this conversation and we sat down and we said, he actually did the majority of the work. I don't want to, I don't want to take credit for it. Um, but, but bottom line is we sat down and we started walking through it and we said, okay, hold on. Here's the problem with looking at things like that. If you retired in 2000, okay, markets peaked then and did not make new highs for nearly 14 years. About 2013, 2014, when you made a new high. Now, had you started taking income off of your retirement portfolio? Now, let's assume you had the standard, right, 60-40 stock bond portfolio. You retired in 2000, okay? And you were adhering to what we call the rule of four, meaning you're in a portfolio that's averaging 8 to 9% to the upside a year, and you're living on 4% of your asset base per year as income. Okay, if you adhered to all those rules, then Because the market did not make new highs and because of the lows you realized from 2000 to 2002 and then again from 08 to 09, by the time 2012, 2013 hit, you were out of money. You were broke. You were done. And this is why retired people need to think about these things differently. And it's why the the stuff and, and look, they're not telling you this because they're lying. This is what they've been taught. And it also shows how backward the retirement asset management business is. Great. The market always returns over 40 years. Did it do that if you were living off the money? And also, by the way, how many retirements last 40 years? What in the world does the market, what, what the market averages over 40 years or a hundred, what does, or a hundred years, what does that have to do with your retirement? Under that guy's scenario that he laid out to that client as proof that he was right, had she adhered to that advice back then, she'd be busted. Right? You you don't just sit there and, and realize market appreciation when you're retired. You're living off the assets. So if you don't get any market growth for 14 years, and that just happened from 2000 to 2014. Here's the other thing I'll ask you. Are the problems you currently see in this economy, are they less or are they worse acute than the problems we faced in 2000 and 2008? Now, 2008, the housing issue was, I don't think it's comparable, right? I don't think the valuation, especially after the beginning of this year on the tech side, is nearly as insane as it was in 2000. 
But the overall, the overall economic backdrop is decidedly worse. You're dealing with, like I said, you know, crude over $100 index at 23-year highs. You know, in 2000 at the peak, crude wasn't trading at 110 bucks a barrel, guys. Right? You didn't look at food costs soaring at 30-year highs or whatever it is now. You don't look at inflation. You know what I mean? You start adding all this up. You didn't. The wages were doing the exact opposite at that point. They were stagnating and falling. Right? Labor costs are going through the roof. So my whole point, I, we, we ran into this and I went, this is so. And, and again, I'm not calling the guy a bad name. I'm not ridiculing him. I'm not even saying he's I don't think he is purposefully misleading her. But this is how vapid the retirement asset business has got. That shouldn't be proof for a client to hold a portfolio. That same chart that he showed her trying to keep her there should be proof that she should be doing it our way, not his. It's just, it's one of the things I despise about this job. Something about the finance industry and the investment industry, it is just, it is, it is the home of charlatans. Oh, markets always go up. And what are you worried about? Not when you're taking income out of the portfolio. Now, now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but if all of you can live comfortably off of Social Security, then you don't need to listen to what I'm saying. It doesn't matter to you. But if you need your assets to grow, and more importantly, you don't want to be sitting there worried about a 40, 50, 60% haircut, and, and you recognize that that could seriously impede your ability to generate income, then you can't do it that way. you got to manage risk. you got to make sure that you can get out of the way when the train starts coming down the tracks. And here's the other thing, guys. If you take this risk manage approach, we had another fascinating one. Now, I'm not saying that any nobody can promise they're going to do this, okay? But what you should go do go look at is if then you go back to that same period of time from 20, and I'll just tell you the numbers, loosely speaking. Let's look at that same scenario, 2000 to uh, to 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 2014. Right. When that person ran out of all their money, 60, 40 portfolio market was flat from 2014 is when it got back to where it's peak in, in, uh, in 2000. And it reached that peak, just ticked it in 2008. And then, you know, we all know what happened then. But here's the inverse of that scenario. If over that same course of time, you would have gotten 75% of the returns in the up years. So underperformed by 25% in the up years. And yet you only uh, took 25% of the down in down years. So if we look at that, if we look at that 60, 40 portfolio, let's pull it back. If we look at that 60, 40 portfolio performance from 2000 to 20 to from 2000 to 2020, I think the 60, 40 portfolio is averaged like 5.2%, something like that. Maybe, maybe as high as six and a half. Don't quote me. I, I'm, I'm let's, let's say, let's say it's six and a half, seven. Okay. Just to be generous. I don't think it's that high, especially after the pullback this year, but let's just say it's six and a half to seven. Okay. If you, over that same period of time, had you been in a portfolio that only participated in 75% of the upside and also only took 25% of the downside, right? So a risk managed strategy, your returns were more than double, right? That's what I'm talking about. And, and all too, and, and I always tell clients in, in our portfolio, what is the, when our portfolios, the way that we manage risk and the way we set things up, what is your risk? Your risk is periodic downside. Why are we willing to take that risk? A, because you can't go broke over the first 14 years of your career, your retirement, like you would have from 2000 to 2014. Okay. First and foremost. And B, we understand that concept of even if we're not hitting all the highs in the up years, it's what we do in the down years that matters. That's what is going to be the biggest deter- determining factor. Now, you got to make money to the upside. I get that. But think about that. From tw- 2000 to 2020, your returns in the 60-40 portfolio, like I said, I think I'm overstating it. I'm being generous. I think it's about 6 and 7%. Yet, if you would have gotten only 75% of the market upside and only 25% of the downside, you were more than double. Risk management works. Now, am I promising you we can produce those numbers? No. But if you look at the last four years, we've been right in that ballpark and a little better to the upside, especially the combination of this year and last year. During COVID, our average client was down six and a half. This year, our average client's down three to four. We've proven in pretty nasty markets we can protect capital. 
And, and, and again, it, I'm not extolling our virtues or telling you we're the only place in town. I'm just laying out facts. I was sitting there reading that email that that guy sent, sent that new client of ours. And I just sat there and I went, not only does this not prove your case, dude, but this proves exactly why you're wrong and exactly why you're a danger to these people. They, oh, well, you can't, you got to get all the more. That's not what retirement's for. It's not maximizing your upside. Now, again, I think we've demonstrated through that example that maximizing your upside includes risk management. We don't do it because we're boring. We do it because it works. It's like my old college football coach, Frosty Western, used to say to us, boys, it's not good because it's old. It's old because it's good. Right? Meaning that the only reason it's been around and lasted is because it's got some utility. It's got some worth. It's got some value. And I just thought it was a fascinating anecdotal example of, you know, good golly. Yes, what you just said is true, but it doesn't back up your approach. It proves ours. And guys, that's the portfolio most of you are sitting in. And here's the beautiful thing. You don't even have to take my word for it. Just go do it. Go map the performance of the S&P 500, the average 60-40 portfolio, and then on an Excel spreadsheet, factor out 4% withdrawals from the capital balance every single year. The, the proof's right there. And that's why we say over and over, hey, that whole accumulation thing, that whole buy it and hold it and keep buying as it goes down, guys, that's fine for the accumulation phase of your life. From 30 to 55, go for it. From 25 to 55, go for it. But once you get five, seven, 10 years into re- or, or, or away from retirement, and really even 10 years, you can get away with it historically. I don't know that that's the best move in this environment, but it, you just, you just, uh, it's, it's so frustrating because like I've said so many times on the show before, there is so much in investing that is subjective, right? Like I think the market is going to finish substantially lower from here by the end of this year. Do I know that? No. Did, the fact that I say that, does that make me smart? And the other guy that thinks we're going way higher, does that make him stupid and automatically wrong? No, we don't know. I just, I, I just find it really hard to think that the market is going to accelerate from here considering the economic backdrop. I don't think markets tend to go up in big ways as earnings are dropping and interest rates are going up and you know I, input costs are rising and wage labor costs are rising. But could I be wrong? Yes. Does that really matter? No. Because the backdrop is ugly. So we're going to defend capital. Here's the other advantage we've got. When you're only down three to 4% in the year and not down 20, I don't need to panic because the market is rallying. You know, on a day like us, I think our portfolios are up one and a half. You know, we're, this is not, it's not like we're not going up. We are. We just have protection underneath us. And then that's why I'm just sitting there saying, guys, risk management. If you're close to retirement and if things look ugly to you, then you've got to move. You got to do something. That right there is proof positive. I just gave you the numbers. I just gave you the way to go double check it and see if I'm full of it. We're just speaking truth here. And I'm not telling you I got all the answers. I'm not telling you we're the magic profit generators. What I'm telling you is we're going to manage our clients' portfolios where they're good either way. Right? If that guy ends up being right, great. We're going to have a good year. You know why? Because we're already outperforming the S&P by over 10%. So we're rallying from a much, much higher level already. We don't need to make all of that. I, there's just a better way to do it, guys. There's a better way to do it where you don't have to be gambling, right? You listen to what that guy was saying. He was basically incentivizing that client to gamble. What do you mean gamble? That's called it. No, it's not. It's your investment thesis is that markets always come back. And you're not even going to factor into it cash withdrawals from the account. What is the money there for? So if you're in that portfolio, whether you know it or not, you're just gambling. You're hoping you get the right 20-year period of time. And you're doing it coming out of the biggest, longest bull market in U.S. history. With all these historic bad things going on. It's insanity. And the sad thing is, is you get in bubble environment. What do you mean bubble environment is 25% down? Guys, we're still 35% above on the NASDAQ where we started January 1, 2020. We're still trading at over 20 times earnings on the S&P and even higher than that on the NASDAQ. This isn't what bottoms look like. Now, if we're wrong, great. We'll go up with it. Maybe not quite as fast. 
But the bottom line is we take the scenario off the table that would ruin your retirement. I, it's just numbers, guys. It's just numbers. Don't just listen to this anecdotal nonsense. Is it a good buy time to buy a stock? Is it not a good time? Well, I, who, who knows? What is your situation? How big of a loss can you take before your retirement becomes financially untenable? And if you haven't had that conversation with your advisor and your portfolio isn't being managed in a way that, that, that bakes that in, what in the world are you doing? And if you've been listening to this radio show for a while and you're still doing that, like I said, it's not even us, guys. I, I, I'm a firm believer in do the right thing, give people the right information. The business side takes care of itself. There's a bunch of other firms, not a bunch, but there are other firms out there that are like us, that are active managers, that know how to manage risk. Quit listening to this nonsense. And again, these guys aren't bad guys. They're not saying it to hoodwink you. It's what they've been taught. They don't know any different. But quit listening to this vapid reckless nonsense coming out of some of these average financial, you know, normal financial advisors mouths. They're incentivized to keep you in it. They're not bad people. They're not leading you astray, but that's just a perfect example. The market always comes back. Okay. Let's factor in a real life scenario. Like you were actually using that money to fund your retirement. If you were doing that 13 years into retirement, you're completely smoked, done, gone over final. Is that a risk you want to run? I just the, the lack of risk management across our culture today, especially in financial markets, it just makes my head hurt. And the fact that nobody takes the time to sit down and just do the math. Quit listening to this anecdotal nonsense of every charlatan that passes you on the street and has a Twitter account and do the math. And a retirement portfolio should be one that funds your needs regardless of what happens. Because retirement's a certainty. Shouldn't your portfolio be to some level? That doesn't mean you can't go up or down. Like I said, we're down 3 4% overall this year. Our average client, our stock portfolios are down 6 and a half, six five, something, something. Again, we're up good today, so I, I, I'm not sure what those updated numbers are, but there's just a better way, guys. And if that resonates you with, I hope it does, because it's just math. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boracapitalmanagement.com. Follow me on Twitter, at KWR Radio. You guys know the drill. We got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back to talk valuations and talk to them to see if I'm right. Is this a cheap market or is this still an expensive market? We're going to bring our Viceroy of Value, Toby Carlisle, on to discuss that with us. Written five different books on the topic. Brilliant guy. And uh, hopefully can shed some light. So anyway, stick with us uh, through the break. We'll be right back with Toby Carlisle. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, got, a, got a special one today. It's been a while since we've talked to him. And, and, and um, I found myself pulling my hair out over a lot of these headlines regarding uh, <clears throat> it being a lot of bad news priced into this market. Uh, doomsdayers are wrong. This is a buying opportunity. I mean, you name it. Uh, and so when considering valuations... 
Because that's, that's the argument. Oh, this sell-off has gone way too far. There's so much bad news priced in. Um, if you could tell by my tone, I disagree. But, but w- when it comes to these things, this is why we've got our guy. And our guy, is our I refer to lovingly, is our Viceroy of Value, Mr. Tobias Carlisle. It's been a while since you've been on, sir. Welcome back to the show, and we're really glad to have you. What's up, Zach? Thanks for that very kind introduction. It's nice to be back. Yeah, I well, see, I practice these things before you come on, man, because I got to... <laughs> I got to roll out the red carpet. Anytime I'm talking to a Brit or an Aussie, it's something about the it's something about the accent. It just you guys sound so much more credible. You know what I mean? So you kind of got to <laughs> you got to roll out the red carpet a little bit just to make sure you keep coming back, man. Um, how how are how are things, sir, in your world? Are, are I mean we we we've seen a nice. I, I mean the 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 performance has been a little bit back and forth this year, but uh, hey, value isn't where it was a couple of years ago, huh? No, I, I'm very excited. I think we're, you know, it, it's impossible to know in the short term what the stock market is going to do. But as you point out, um, we're off a lot from where we were, um, but we're nowhere near a bottom of like a 2000 or a 2009. We're, not, we're nowhere, or 2002 or 2009, we're nothing like that. We're really kind of just into the middle of the drawdown. Who knows what happens from here? It could bounce back up easily and you know then we just wait for the next one but if this is the real thing that clears the decks um it's got quite a bit further to go if that happens then it's very good news for for value and i think we'll have a good few years um so let's go and i know that this isn't what uh you're not a macro focus guy uh i i get all that but let's if if you wouldn't humor me for a second let's talk about the earnings backdrop because when I look at last year uh, compared to this year, it is really, really difficult for me to try to paint a scenario that is better for earnings this year than as opposed to last year. The the um, other thing I'm scratching my head against is when you look at – I and, and you and I have been talking about these discrepancies for years now. But um, on the way up, remember the, the the ridiculous valuations, especially when you looked at market cap to GDP, they were defended by a lot of the bulls saying, well, these are multinational companies. And, and, and they had a point, right? I mean, they, they, it's I guess it's a little bit unfair to compare uh, uh, market cap to GDP today as opposed to 50 years ago because these companies have a far greater percentage of their income coming from overseas. But that knife cuts both ways. Um, when you look at the dollar index at a 23-year high, when you look at rates, when you look at inf- you know consumer prices, I'm really having a tough time painting a picture. I mean, right now, the forward earnings forecast, and I'll yield to you, but I, if I remember correctly, forward earnings on the S&P are 17. Um, I, I just don't see how in the world we get there. Uh, can, you, can you bring any clarity to that? Well, the the uh, the stimulus from 2020 and 2021 has flowed through the income statements of all of the companies that are listed in the states, and so they they have this um, very very overstated earnings, probably to what their more normal earning power is, and so we've come back from the multiples on those. On those peak earnings, the forward earnings estimates are are typically not particularly accurate. Um, <laughs> what happens is that the, the analysts tend to be too optimistic, and the times when they are most wrong is probably times like these when you have earnings falling back a little bit, and so they will be over optimistic, assuming that they just extrapolate the trend out, and instead what happens is. There's just unknown weak. There's weakness from everywhere, and it shows up in advertising. It shows up in just all of these secondary places too, and so everything sort of gets overstated on an earnings basis, and then the multiple starts looking expensive too. So I would say we'll have a few quarters to years of earnings um, walking backwards, and valuations looking increasingly expensive when that happens because the multiple. Um, you know, the multiple has to expand to accommodate it if the, if the market stays where it is. I think probably what happens is we have 
uh, a lot more downside in earnings, and that probably means more downside in multiples. And coupling with that is we're probably going to have interest rates going up too. So I, I think that there's there's a reasonably strong argument that the market is flat to down uh, over the next three to five years. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, just back of the envelope math, looking at these numbers, it, that's certainly how it appears to me. One of the other interesting things that I wanted to discuss with you is, and, and I have not looked into this, um, so I don't have a lot to add to it, and that, that's why we're talking to you. Um, last year, fourth quarter was a real record setter, wasn't it? So it, the fourth quarter is always going to be unusually good, I think, and that was just the end of an unusually good year, of, of an unusually good cycle, really. I think that the the, um, the, the this is this is not this is not a sustainable level. Well, that was not a sustainable level. Well, and that's and and, and you know, so I, and I I'm not sure how many people know this, but if we're looking at a current PE ratio on the S and P 500. The fourth quarter, right, it, it's, it's, it's based on earnings over the previous four quarters. Now, not forward P, obviously, but backward-looking P. It's based on the previous four quarters. Um, how much can a quarter like that? All right, guys, due to time constraints, we've got to end the interview right now, but I do think that this is the pivot point, the focal point of, of or, or, or the thing that we need to be watching the most. So I would encourage you to go to our radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, or you can just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast and hear the rest of this interview with Tobias Carlisle. Again, one of the reasons we have him on, no hype, no bluster, no nonsense, just looking at the numbers and the facts. And uh, I think he really blows a hole in this whole, it's a cheap market with a lot of bad news priced in. It's just not. And if you're hearing somebody that says that, I'm sorry. I don't know what they're looking at. They're just wrong. But listen to Toby say it rather than just me. Listen to Toby say it, a guy that's written five books on the topic. Anyway, hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.